0: business of drag and me with your host the wonderful Braden. we'll talk about taxes we'll talk about business we'll talk about life spill the tea see you there wow. <laughs>
1: Alrighty, righty well welcome friends to the podcast I'm very excited because this is actually my first interview on this new show So Lija, are you excited? Am I pronouncing your name right, first of all?
2: Yeah, nailing it. Okay.
1: I probably should have got like a great bio from you to get started to like introduce you properly to my audience. But you are an attorney. You live in Minnesota. You have what now two YouTube channels. So that's fabulous. And Mm -hmm. you're killing it with content over there. Um, do you want to kind of take it from there and tell the lovely people a little bit more about yourself? Sure.
2: Yeah, I graduated from law school 2020 into a pandemic, started at a giant firm that like didn't fulfill me in any way and so I started this YouTube channel to try to feel like I had any sort of voice or like getting legal knowledge out to the people as opposed to in these very kind of institutionalized silos. And so, yeah, I started a YouTube channel in August 2020 um and just I share any sort of legal information related to current events and pop culture. And recently I've started getting into like kooky history and like weird <laughs> stories from the past that are law related. That's been really fun. Um, so that's what I'm doing on that on my legal YouTube channel. And then I do a drag race reaction podcast video on my other YouTube channel, and then I'm also growing over on TikTok doing kind of like bite-size legal things as well. I just hit a hundred thousand subscribers or followers or whatever they're called over there <laughs> recently. So yeah, just like a, a content creation machine all day long, just law. Um, and then I also do part-time um, family law and divorce law work as an actual
1: right. lawyer. Okay, cool. Well, we probably aren't going to talk a ton about family law in this podcast episode. I yeah. hope that's, I hope that's okay. Um, <laughs> So what we're going to be talking about, the lovely and amazing Bussy Queen did a video. I don't know how long ago this was at this point, but it was titled Exposing the RuPaul's Drag Race Contract. And then you did a reaction video to that video. And Mm -hmm. now we're doing a reaction podcast video to your reaction video. Not really, (laughs) the the kind of. Yeah, I think you nailed it in the introduction of your video where you said, uh, you said contract interpretation is super boring. I'm just summarizing your quote. Yes. So my, my hope is that this lawyer to lawyer discussion will maybe make it a little bit more fun because I mean, we have a gay, a bisexual and 53 pages of legal minutia. So mm-hmm. that could be more fun than that. right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> to me, I don't
1: know. Yeah. Sounds pretty, pretty good to me. Okay. So what were you just just to kind of like kick this party off? What were your initial thoughts? Did you did you like look at the contract first, uh, or did you watch the video? And then I'm also curious: did you like watch the video start to finish, or are you doing the reaction like live while you're watching it the first time?
2: For that one, I was doing the reaction live as I was watching it for the first time, so I had not seen the contract, and so I was kind of going off of the sections that Bussy was highlighting and and going from there based on kind of general legal knowledge about how contracts work.
1: Yeah. And what were your initial thoughts as you were watching this? Were were you like, this feels correct? Or this is like really, really fucking wild?
2: Well, some of it, you know, seems absurd, but is traditional contract language, like the whole language around rights extending to the entire universe. As absurd (laughs) as that sounds, it is commonly in contract language. So from the outside reading this contract, I think it is easy to kind of sensationalize some of these terms. Um,
0: yeah. but then
2: there were things that surprised me in terms of, and I'm sure these probably are more common in reality TV show contracts that those are unfortunately notoriously hard to get your hands on. I've, I've tried. Um, but the one, the provisions where like we get to film you, even is where you have an expectation of privacy and we get to use anything that we film or record forever um that seemed i was surprised by that uh but i would also assume it's probably pretty standard especially for reality tv
1: yeah like bussy noted uh i think i think she shared a a tweet from uh another drag queen that basically confirmed that they leave their mics on while they go to the bathroom. Yes. Why? Okay, what are, they, okay,
2: great. Okay, great. What are maybe that, for?
1: Yeah, maybe that's just a matter of convenience because it's like yeah. a big hassle to take them on and off. I don't right. know. <laughs> um, okay. So what I was thinking we would do is obviously we're not going to review this entire document. We're not going to go through every page, but kind of just talking about the sections that were noted in both of the videos. I highlighted a couple of other ones as well. Some of them I'll just kind of summarize, but others... Uh, I figured we do kind of like a read-alongs, so like read a little bit, explain it, talk about it. And if the reading gets too boring, I'll you know just edit some of that out so it won't be you know like too too bad. How's that sure. sound? Sounds great. Okay, cool. So the first thing um, that was really noted was section one, development, production of operations. Um, they talk about the whole five additional exclusive irrevocable options to bring people on to additional cycles. And this is something I know that you're newer into like, the, um, I'm calling it the drag race universe based on what I've seen yes. on your videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I started watching I binge watched season two and season three, like on Hulu when I was in college. And mm-hmm. in season four was the first season I watched like all the way through and have been like kind of a super fan since. So I've heard these murmurs like before this contract came out that people are essentially required to go back to all stars if they're asked. Hmm. Um, So that wasn't new to me, but the five cycle things, we'll talk about the practicality of this, but the five cycle things was kind of wild. I thought.
2: Yeah. The five cycles, you know, a year ago when I initially made this video and that's when Bussy put out her videos about a year ago, um, a little more than, yeah, I had, no drag race knowledge. I called the show RuPaul's over and over in the video. And a lot of people (laughs) laughed at me for that, like for good reason. Um, but now having a year of kind of getting diving deep into it, um, on rereading this contract now, those five additional, um, options, I did wonder because now with all stars seven, I, f- I heard rumors of other Queens having turned this down, like Trixie yeah. Mattel is too busy to be on all stars, you know? And so I did wonder with this section, how much they actually are really going to enforce it. Cause that's p- kind of a bad look if they're like, well, we asked Trixie to be on, we were rejected. So now we're going to sue her. That's right. not
1: a great look. Yeah. So like, I had a couple of thoughts. So I call this when I draft contracts, like for my clients, um, I have provisions that I call, I call them heads up provisions, for lack of a better term. And -hmm. to my clients, I'm basically like, this is something that I think we can feel comfortable putting in the contract. But the reality is like, you're never going to enforce it. You're just Mm -hmm. basically telling the person signing it, like, I really, really want you to agree with this. And if you don't like end up abiding by it, I might not sue you, but like, we're not going to be on, <laughs> we may not be on great terms depending on the right. Situation.
2: Yeah, and I think that's kind of a reality of how contract enforcement actually works that kind of gets lost when you start reading these, these terms and you think any time any tiny little infraction of these terms happens, then a lawsuit is gonna result. Yeah. Um, but that's just not practical from like a business standpoint or a business relationships standpoint. So I think, you know, while reading these terms also taking kind of a grain of salt and a understanding that there's also kind of the external image that they have to be thinking about and the cost of bringing a lawsuit over minor infractions and all these other things that go into a yeah. business's decision to sue beyond just the contract
1: yeah, super costly and also I, I was thinking and it's been a while since my law school remedies class so a lot a lot of this is like a little more a little more gray and my mind mm-hmm. might be fresher for you but mm-hmm. I was thinking if they sued like if they sued for this particular provision like we demanded that you come on the show you didn't do it they would have to sue for specific performance right which is like a legal remedy where you're forcing someone to do something and courts are generally, very, very hesitant to like award that instead they would, you know, you would need to sue for what is the financial harm for this person not agreeing to come on the show, which I don't know, just seems like something that would never happen.
2: Right. And how do you calculate that? But yeah, as to the whole specific performance, especially with employment contracts, though this wouldn't technically be one because they're not employees, but with like we have the 13th amendment, which is prohibits slavery and also forced servitude and so you run into like constitutional questions when you try to force someone to work we really don't like that generally (laughs) in this country so yeah I think it would have to result in some sort of monetary lawsuit and then yeah how do you calculate their losses by having to pick someone else who isn't Trixie Mattel to be on all-star seven for example
1: yeah gets it gets a little wild okay I don't want to well I feel like I was like, you brought up con law, like constitutional law. And I sweat, I got started sweating for a second. because it was like my worst, my like very worst class. Oh, really? <laughs> interesting. Because I was a policy major in undergrad, right? Oh, funny. Um, this is why I ended up going into tax law because I didn't mm-hmm. want to read 80 page court opinions. Mm-hmm. It turns out. That's was fair. Like my vibe. Um, okay. If people are listening. If anyone's listening to this podcast episode, they might also be thinking like kind of what's the idea, what's the purpose behind this, right? So I think, would you agree that your like, your channel is more entertainment focused, right?
2: My law channel?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's definitely education. Edutainment is the term. Edutainment. I I like that. So it's
1: -hmm. it's educational and it's uh, entertainment. I'm just contrasting that with, like, the idea with this show is, I mean, if a ton of people end up listening to it because it's entertaining and educational, that would be fantastic. But the audience we're speaking to or I'm hoping to speak to is, like, the queens directly. So mm-hmm. if you potentially are listening to this and you want to go on the show, like, what are you agreeing to? And I realize it's kind of a, a narrow audience. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But that's kind of like the why behind these. I have some other, some like drag race queens that are going to come on and talk about it uh, as much as they can in terms of the NDA, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Okay. So we, we talked about the whole additional cycles thing. I think that's kind of interesting. Next, there's this whole thing about the copyright with regard to obviously what you're creating on the show, but what you're creating before the show. And because Mm -hmm. I know that you have worked in copyright, you have a little bit of background in IP. Can you Mm -hmm. briefly explain to everyone? uh, First of all, it never hurts to explain the difference between a trademark and a copyright, but then more specifically Mm -hmm. how copyright actually works.
2: Yeah, I realized I forgot to include that in my little intro bio. The law firm that I worked at before kind of going solo on YouTube and doing family law, I did intellectual property work. So um, they do have a little background knowledge there. So a trademark versus a copyright. A trademark is something that a business is going to use and put on a product that identifies the source of that product. So if you buy a shoe and it's got the Nike swoop on it, you know where it's coming from and you have a certain expectation of the quality of that product. That's the purpose of a trademark. It's really for consumer protection because Nike has a protection over that mark. So no other business can go and slap a Nike mark on some random shoe and consumers would then be hurt thinking they're buying a Nike when they're not. So Trademarks are slogans, brand names, that kind of thing. Copyrights are creative works, and they are meant to protect the creator, the author. Um, so that's going to be music, any photography, any kind of art. It's, it spans kind of a wide range. Anything written that's longer than like a short phrase. Um, short phrases are going to be in trademarks longer sentences, poetry, etc. is going to be in copyrights. Um, And copyrights, with a trademark, you have to register your trademark. There's a whole process with that. Copyrights, they are created the second that you make something. So if you take a photo of something, it becomes your copyrighted work immediately when you take it. Even if there's a million, like if you go stand in front of the Eiffel Tower, there's a million photos of the Eiffel Tower. But if you take a photo that looks like every other photo, but you took it, you own the copyright in that photo. Um, So, you own the copyright, you can register it with the federal government. That helps if you're going to like sue someone for copyright infringement. But generally speaking, the rights are there the second that you make something with copyrights, yeah. which is cool.
1: Yeah, I'm a fan of registering copyrights as well. A lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, they just don't do it. But what I what I tell a lot of my clients is that you're big, like the biggest uh, kind of impact you can have with a copyright is telling someone, hey, I registered my copyright. So if you mm-hmm. don't cease encroaching on it, like I'm going to sue you and then you'll have to pay my attorney fees Mm because your damages might not be that high, but your attorney fees could be and registering the copyright, you know, helps with that, which is great. Okay. right. So copyright, my understanding is the copyright also comes with like, they call it a bundle of rights, right? So there's like copyright rights is really like a categorical term. Is that fair to Mm -hmm. say? Yeah, I think so. So there's the, and I like, you know, how to Google these real quick. So I, I had them handy. There's the right to reproduce the work, display, mm-hmm. perform the work, distribute the work, and then something that they call create derivative works. So mm-hmm. I'm going to like put you on the hot seat and we'll give the example is like the audition tape that these mm-hmm. queens have to create the send into RuPaul's Drag Race. What would creating derivative works of that look like? Just to give one example.
2: So if you take your audition tape and you even if you just put it on YouTube, that could potentially count as a derivative work. Or if you uh, set it to music or make like a remix of it or use a clip from it or take screenshots of it and put it on a website or um, take if. If they were to take the sh- it on the show and put it as a snippet in part of RuPaul's Drag Race, an episode of it, that would be
1: a derivative yeah. work. And then reproduce. I feel like that one's pretty obvious. Display or perform. Uh, mm, that one might be a little bit harder to come up with examples, but the, the point is there's all these rights, right? And in contracts, mm-hmm. we can sign away like one of them, multiple of them, mm-hmm. but I think I'd have to go back and read the exact provision, but I think we can assume that under this contract, they're signing away the whole the, the whole collection, the whole bundle, yeah.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. They're giving full ownership of it over to, I think World of Wonder specifically.
1: Yeah, on yeah. One, one of the things that came up, um, I think you noted this, but Bussy definitely did, like kind of raising the question of, particularly with the things that you're creating to submit your application to the show, whether it's worth giving up those rights to get on the show. And for me, I was thinking, for me, it's like an obvious yes, because my Mm -hmm. thought process was, well, your audition tape, doesn't really have any value if you don't get on the show anyway, unless there's mm-hmm. you know like you end up having to make it you end up making it huge on your own and somehow monetize like here's the audition tape I created for Drag Race, although I never got on the likelihood mm-hmm. of that being a reality is pretty slim. So it's like super valuable if you do get on, but it's like not valuable at all if you don't get on, so what's the harm in signing it away? What are your thoughts on that?
2: yeah, absolutely. i I talked about that in in my video as well. it's it's kind of a Yeah. Catch 22. Probably not. Is that the right word? Anyway, it's definitely a, if you don't give it up, then you are jeopardizing your potential to be on this show, which has for better or for worse, a bit of a monopoly on becoming a famous drag queen. Obviously there are examples of Queens who have made it without the show, but like there's, there's a real proliferation of Queens these days and getting on drag race is definitely a, a more surefire way of kind of Getting your career off the ground um, and so yeah if you don't give up those rights to get on the show to get your career off the ground then the value in your copyrights of the video are none
1: so right yeah, yeah. i think it's the i think it's the all the stuff that you're doing post drag race that's where things start yeah. to get a, a little hairy and wild so let's talk about that the the next section and this contract is participation now we could go th- through this in detail if there's any um specific paragraphs you think are like interesting to chat about we can but a lot of this um and you and bussy both noted it in your videos i think are pretty standard for us to expect for a reality tv show right like if you're going mm-hmm. on reality tv they're going to want to have you mic'd and like on video basically basically 24 7 like you don't have a lot of like privacy that just kind of comes with the territory.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did note that there's kind of, there's one paragraph labeled access paragraph B um, where they grant assignee the right to videotape film, portray, photograph, and otherwise record me, my actions and my voice and other sound effects. (laughs) I don't know what that means on an up to 24 hours a day, seven days a week basis in the course of my actual life. Whether by requesting me to wear a microphone or not, subject to the production protocols. My issue, I guess, with this paragraph is that there is really no time limitation to it. And I assume you can extrapolate from the rest of the contract that it would probably be only during the production time, but it doesn't say that. And so it's kind of just granting this all-out free-for-all to your life. And then in the next low in the next paragraph, it says, I hereby grant producer the right to enter and occupy such locations um where i will be present in the course of my life um for the purpose of capturing portions of material so it's like if i have control over the location i have to let the producer come in and film at their discretion so again like you said i think these are probably pretty common for a reality show it makes sense that they would need those permissions to do their work but it is interesting as an outsider to read that
1: yeah well that's a good point though because so here's the thing is me reading this if it was um, okay, so it's access under participation. So there's participation, yeah. and then they they have a section for pre-production, and then a section for production. And as if there if this were like a sub bullet under production, then we could assume that they meant to like define it during that period of time. But I I feel like I would argue that that's what they intended to do. They just didn't draft it correctly. That's how. Yeah. It what I I don't I don't know that makes um, sense but we have this whole concept and I think you noted this in your video as well but when things are ambiguous in a contract that we uh what what's the legal terminology they say that it, it's uh held against the drafter I'm missing the uh exact rule oh, I had at one point in time but yeah Uh, basically say, well, they just didn't draft it real good. So like, that's a them problem, not a me problem. And we got to work our way around this is how I Mm -hmm. would put that that in layman's terms. Yeah. So in this section, the one I wanted to actually read through is exclusivity. So uh, G, do you have the contract in front of you? I do. Okay, so little G, it says, I agree from the effective date of this agreement and until 12 months after the initial broadcast of the last episode of the program in which I appear, this is called the exclusivity period, that my appearance and participation will be exclusive to producer and all media. So timeline, Let's, let's talk timeline first. They say 12 months after the initial broadcast of the last episode. So if you're recording this, you know, summer, last year, last episode comes out. April thirtieth on BH one, then it's one year from April thirtieth of this year, mm-hmm. correct? Correct. Okay. Cool. Um, literally, literally, everyone, when you're reading contracts, it helps. It helps to read them with a friend, just so yes. you can be like, did we read that <laughs> sentence correctly? Is that yeah. what
2: that means in real English? Yeah.
1: Yeah, in real English. All right, so. That is our exclusivity period. And so it says here under it will be exclusive to producers, a production company, and all media except that I shall be allowed to make or appear in any live performances and personal appearances, which they're going to define as live performances, provided that I do not publicize, advertise, mention, or promote my appearance in the program in connection with such live performances. So we're gonna stop there. This part to me seemed very vague. I thought maybe you would have a better idea of what they meant by that.
2: Right, but what I was picturing this to be for is to allow the queens to continue to do performances one-off performances gigs whatever um as long as they don't bring up like hey i'm gonna be on the new season of drag race or something because i think they want to have tight control over the publicity side of things but they don't want to necessarily bar the queens from doing any
1: performances at all during the course of the the okay exclusive period that's what i thought as well but like since the confusing part to me was this paragraph is for up to one year after the show airs. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, can you not book a live performance and then promote yourself as a contestant on the show after the show's airs? Mm. Because that's like what the term says, which really doesn't even make any sense from a practical perspective from mm-hmm. the you know, production company wanting them to probably promote the show. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm misinterpreting it, but I would also argue that's like a little bit of a drafting issue. I don't know.
2: I think that makes perfect sense. I think your interpretation makes sense based on what it says. It doesn't make sense that they would have drafted it that way because, but again, I think that they really do want strict control over the publicity of Drag Race, especially there are some more provisions
1: further down that I'm sure we'll get to that they kind of
2: seem to want some tight control.
1: Yeah, I think what they're going for is they don't want you like, I don't know, like they don't want you like producing a show that it's like, you know, drag race re-rind, where you're like using their name in the show and promoting the fact that you were on the show. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. That's getting real wishy-washy, but <laughs> I think that's like the intent behind it. Okay. So um, I'm skipping down a little bit. Uh, uh, starting at in consideration of the foregoing and subject to producer's request, participant shall so receive payment in the amount of $1,000 per show. Um, So I think I skipped a little bit, but this is basically saying if they're required to be in shows, they're, I think at the producer's request, that's confusing. They'll be Mm -hmm. paid a thousand, they'll be paid a thousand dollars. When I was watching Bussy's video, he was making it sound like it was saying at producer's discretion, they would pay them a thousand dollars. But producer's request, I don't really know what that, like they're requesting them to do a production. And then if they agree, they'll pay them a thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, that's
2: kind of weirdly drafted in consideration of the foregoing and subproducer's producers request participants shall receive payment in the amount of $1,000. Producers request of what that they perform or that the producer yeah. requests that they get money. What is the producer requesting in this sentence?
1: Yeah, so this would be a circumstance where if I'm going to sign this contract, I want to know is it are you requesting me to do this? And then if I say yes, you're going to pay me. Or are you requesting that like, whoever you're entering the agreement with to have you perform is going to pay you, in which case you'll pay right. me because those are two very, very yeah. different things. <laughs> okay, there's a lot more on this paragraph. I don't think we need to read the rest of it. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Okay, so another thing I was thinking about is this also requires participation at DragCon. So that's under mm-hmm. I. I'm assuming you've not been to DragCon yet. Not yet. Okay. If you go last year, if you go next year, can we hang out?
2: Yes. That would be great. I
1: think, I think that'll be fun. I (laughs) went, um, I went last month, like before I would announced this new business to anyone and I got Mm -hmm. super like slash dash, uh, slap dash. That's the expression business cards made through Moo and Uh shamelessly just paid for a lot of meet and greets to hand out business cards. Oh, Um, and half the Queens were like, this is genius. And the other half were like, who are you and why are you, <laughs> why are you giving <laughs> this to me? Which, you know, fair on their part. Yeah, like they were getting paid sure. pictures of the people all day, but it was uh-huh. very fun. So yes, you should yeah. go and, and Sounds work great. out next year. Absolutely. Um, so essentially this contract requires them to attend DragCon, which, you know, not that surprising. What mm-hmm. I really want to do, so I'm super interested in the finances of it all. So mm-hmm. I've emailed a couple of queens that I met at DragCon And I am trying to get them booked on the show to talk about how much they actually spend on Mm -hmm. their booth, on all their merch, uh, what their markup on their merch is, and what their anticipated profit is. Whether they'll want to share all those numbers, I don't know, but I'm excited to talk about it. Um, Absolutely. It's just kind of wild to me that they're getting paid. What does it say that they're getting paid? $1,000 for a U.S.-based queen or for, oh, U.S.-based drag con? And so then if they go to UK DragCon, they'd get $3,000, which it doesn't say in here that they're going to pay for their hotel or flight right. or anything. Yeah. Right. And then if you saw some of the booths, some of the booths, these drag have, yeah, wild. Do you know, do you know Simone from season 13? Are you familiar with yes. her? Yes. Yes. Okay. So she was the winner and mm-hmm. her booth was probably the coolest. It was a, like a giant white wall. And yeah. it said Samoma on it. <laughs> and, and then you couldn't see her because she was like on the other side of the wall. So like you didn't oh. do the meet and greet, but oh, it was Samoma. Yeah. It was called Samoma. And then she had, um, like all of her like favorite looks like inside. The oh, Simoma that's museum, cool. Like when you yeah. have a look, but I can only imagine, like, I'm sure she had to hire yeah. someone to set all that shit up. So Absolutely. Spending. I would guess that, uh, Some of them just have like a table and some merch and they're probably spending a thousand dollars, but I would assume some probably spend up to like 10 K to go. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. It does. not Like, even, even if you sell merch, you know, it doesn't seem like a money-making
1: center situation. Yeah. Yeah, You're hoping, I feel like it's one of those things where you're hoping to really capitalize off growing your fan base while you're there. Mm -hmm. I would assume. Okay. I could talk about drag con all day. It's such a good time, but (laughs) let's chat about management options. I have to control find this paragraph because I did not put in my notes which paragraph it was. There it is. It's M, paragraph little M. So, okay. Uh, This says, I hereby grant to producer the exclusive option to serve as my exclusive manager pursuant to an agreement to be negotiated in good faith between producer and me in accordance with industry standard. And Leisha, where do we we want to start with this sentence? (laughs)
2: Uh, Exclusive option to serve as my exclusive manager.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Tell me about that.
2: So the way I interpret that is exclusive option to me means that it's like we're the only ones that you could even consider working with as a manager. But mm-hmm. we have the option whether or not to take you. But you don't have the option to seek any other management out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I, what I would normally expect here. And again, and I, I think it's fair to say that neither one of us have extensive background in entertainment law. So this is kind of mm-hmm. a different, a different area in and of itself. But what I as an Someone on the outside, outskirts of this industry up until now would expect is like a right of first refusal language, which is right. very different from what you just explained. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's basically saying, like, essentially, they're saying, we have to be your manager. And if you don't like the terms, you don't get to have a manager. This is the way it's drafted.
2: Right. And then there's another said cent- a little bit further down. Um, I agree not to engage with a third-party manager without producer's prior written consent, which consent shall in no event be given by producer prior to the premiere of the last episode of the initial cycle in which I uh, appear. So they are the only ones that can be your manager unless you ask permission, Uh but you can't ask permission until after your last episode at all. They're just not going to give it. So yeah, they're just in complete control of who your manager
1: yeah, is. Yeah, so a little a little inside scoop for you. Um this isn't like super inside scoop, it's like pretty public knowledge, but when you go to DragCon, it's like pretty evident. All of the season 14 queens, and that was the most recent season before mm-hmm. DragCon, right? That was like the finale. Yeah, the finale had already aired. Um they're all represented by Boss Events, which is okay. a management company that I don't think is owned by Wow. I think they probably just have some kind of relationship Mm -hmm. the details of that relationship i would i would love to hear about i would love to interview someone about that it'd be fascinating but boss represented everyone um i think except for cornbread i want to say there may have been one other queen who wasn't represented by them but they all had their own area at DragCon, and you had to buy merch like at a boss table in order to do a meet and greet with them so it was kind of nice from the perspective of it was all organized but as i'm reading this contract i'm like There's got to be, and again, I'm saying probably, I don't know, but there's got to be some type of like kickback or really, really close, you know, affiliate relationship between the production company and this management company, I would think.
2: Right. Yeah. Cause I do wonder the capacity that like World of Wonder or whatever has in kind of the management world, or if they do kind of outsource that and, I would I would be interested as well to see that agreement. Like, how are they getting compensated for this? Uh, Is yeah. there like a percentage breakdown happening? And I've heard I've heard a little bit
1: behind the scenes, and I won't say not with regard to Voss, but with regard to Queens from past seasons about a a little bit of detail into what the percentages look like with management companies and how much they stand to gain out of these contracts coming out of Drag Race. These are details that I really want to bring to this podcast because Mm -hmm. the show is called The Business of Drag. I want to talk about the nitty-gritty details. So everyone stay tuned on whether I'll be able to get these guests and this information. But, you know, if you subscribe, click the bell, what's all the other bullshit I'm supposed to say, say, Legia, You might get that coming up. Have yeah. to show me the ropes.
2: Thumbs okay. up, subscribe, notification bell. If you're listening <laughs> yeah. in podcast form, write a review. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Write a, write a review. I always tell people on my other show, like whether your review is positive or negative, please write one because even the hateful reviews are going to get me noticed. I appreciate all of it. That's right. Okay. Um, I want to, okay. So we we talked about the granting of rights. There's a lot in here about granting your like public persona and right of publicity. And I thought mm-hmm. it'd be fun to mention that. Uh Legit, did you have to read the Vanna White case when you were in law school?
2: Oh, that sounds really familiar. Remind me okay. what it is.
1: So I brought this, I brought this up because uh A, it's like a really fun tie-in to the most recent season while we're recording yeah. this, because they just did mm-hmm. a Vanna White runway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a Vanna White case, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just give everyone the brief bio. So first of all, this deals with the right of publicity. I'm stealing this definition from LexisNexis, uh, which prevents the unauthorized commercial use of an individual's name, likeness, or other recognizable aspects of one's persona, um, specifically for commercial promotion. So key term: commercial promotion, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that would be like me using Leisha's face to like sell my services. Mm-hmm. you could sue me if you want to but I would talk mm-hmm. to you ahead of time right yes iron yeah. out an agreement <laughs> so Vanna White sued Samsung um this was in the case the case was in 1993 this was a minute ago but the long story short of it was that Samsung I think they had a commercial where there was a robot and like a Vanna White style gown, uh wig in jewelry mm-hmm. uh and it said Uh, like something AD. It was like the commercial was set a long time in the future. And the joke was like, even when Ivana White's not here, like Wheel of Fortune still will be an Ivana White robot will be like doing the Vanna White thing. And she (laughs) sued for using her name or likeness, initially lost, appealed. And then uh, the court actually uh, overturned and sided with Vanna White saying that uh, that was a right of publicity. So I don't know how fun that story is for everyone else listening, but fun little drag race tie in and kind of explains what the right of publicity is, I think, to a certain extent.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think with that also brings up, I don't know if it's related here, but the idea that the right of publicity doesn't have to explicitly have a person's face, it can kind of just hint at the person and and they could still, that's probably why she lost in the first go around, but then like was able to convince it that it's like, no, people understood this to be me, so yeah. you can't do that yeah
1: when I was first looking at it I was thinking because again like this isn't my core area of expertise I was like how does this differ from the rules around parody like weird out mm-hmm. gets away with doing all of his all of his stuff but I think it's different because you're doing your own parody to make like your own form of art right and you're yeah. copywriting that versus trying to use someone's persona to sell your stuff right. um which actually makes me always think about like when you see Facebook ads with like popular gifts in them like does that break this rule of publicity, something I'd be interested in right. now, I don't want to research more. But if anyone else wants to, <laughs> <laughs> send, send me the details, let me know. Maybe I'll hire a law school intern to do that for me. Really? Okay. So our Vanna White story kind of goes into this next section, which was uh, subsection four grant of rights. And then it was little letter J, which I'm just calling, it doesn't have a title, but I'm going to call it the TPM. Use so in lieu of maybe me not reading all of this, um, Ligia, do you think you could just summarize what's going on here?
2: Yeah, so this is again a use of a likeness. I feel like as I was re-reviewing this contract, there's a million use of likeness <laughs> provisions in here. Um, but this Bussy highlighted this in his video as well. But it gives the producer an irrevocable and perpetual right and license throughout the universe in any and all media now known or hereafter devised in any language to use the the person's likeness um, as embodied in the material being, meaning like what's been recorded, but also like all the other stuff that they make as kind of part of the production. So, um, you know, the weird rupaul's drag race like iphone apps that you can buy and like dress up queens and anything that rupaul decides he wants to expand his universe into basically they they write to kind of pop your face on it as well yeah i was
1: yeah i was thinking oh it even says it down here um examples given clothing and furniture but i was thinking t-shirts any kind Mm -hmm. of merch um like those do they call them plushies those like little um mm-hmm. you can see i'm not a big merch collector but <laughs> yeah you get you get the point the one thing I, I mean i was really wondering like does this only pertain to like stuff you do on the show but or does it also pertain to stuff you do like after you get off the show because it's a big a big difference i know um bussy mentioned i thought this part was pretty wild on all stars Two, which Legia, you gotta go back and watch All-Stars 2. It's widely considered to be like the best season by a lot of fans. That was the all Star season that Katya Ekaterina,
0: Katerina I saw was on. I saw uh, that one.
1: Oh, okay. Good, good, yes. good. Uh, so fun fact for everyone, I actually was a Slavic language and literature major in undergrad, so oh. a special place in my heart for Katya. Mm-hmm. But she did, for her commercial, she did Katya's Crisis Control. Mm-hmm. And Busty mentioned that like, wow, sold like sold that merch at dragon and that katya could not because it was mm-hmm. made on the show so i'm assuming yes. that's like what this paragraph is really getting to or attempting to get to
2: yes and there's definitely i think somewhere else in this contract that i remembered seeing while i was re-reviewing it that anything that they it specifically says anything created during the show is exclusively owned by world of wonder so any of the like the songs that they make where they're recording their own vocals, any, yeah, I guess that that would then extend to the products that they're inventing. And some of the, like anything they make, they have absolutely no rights to. And and it explicitly
1: says like, you have no right to compensation for it either. Including, including Alaska's tucking tape, which comes in the beautiful colors of what was it? Stunning something in yellow, stunning, fierce (laughs) and yellow. (laughs) That's right. In Alyssa's uh, tongue, tongue poppers. I think it was Uh good times. Okay, Um, all right. So we have cycle rights amount. I noted that that one was essentially the part specifying they get paid five hundred dollars per episode, which like yikes. When we want to talk about the cost, like the cost Mm -hmm. that goes into Drag Race. Um, I and again not contract related, but I am still kind of shocked that they don't give them I mean maybe they do and we just haven't heard about it but they don't give them like an allocated budget like for wardrobe to a certain Mm -hmm. degree
2: yeah and I feel like I had heard something about there being a limit on like luggage that they can mm-hmm. bring onto the show so maybe that's kind of the quasi way that they're doing that but i also heard that maybe it isn't applying in all stars seven because of like the number of just trains that we've seen alone seems <laughs> to, uh,
1: from trinity kind of, yeah the train. yeah um yeah so i've heard the same th- thing too they get like a certain number and there was even and again this is just all stuff i've like learn secondhand from other YouTube yeah. videos. I think it's the same for you. Mm-hmm. But there was like drama in the past because they said the local LA queens would bring like, if the limit was seven, they'd bring like seven like giant bags mm-hmm. because they didn't have to fly. Whereas like the non-local oh ones had to bring like seven suitcases. Wow. Um, which, you know, if you can, lucky for the queens, I guess, that just are able to get away with wearing like, uh, I don't, uh what's it? Uh, leotards. Is that the right word? Yeah,
2: I always forget yeah. that word, but yes, I think that's right.
1: <laughs> um, I feel like you have to have like a good mix. You got to be like, all right, I got to put like my my uh, three train looks in these three uh-huh. suitcases, and then I got to fit like 15 things in this other suitcase. It's like a, it's right. like a fucking packing puzzle.
2: Yeah, um, or you have like Bosco from last season where all she wore was those like scraps, and I'm sure she had like one bag total.
1: So I um I met her at the drag con and she really um I had her record a hello video for my mom, which my mom loved because she loves her. Yeah. Uh okay, so that was interesting for sure. I did also, and maybe it was on one of your uh reviews, I'm not sure, but I did hear that on All Star Seven, uh they didn't have any limit on luggage, which I'm sure like what I really want to know is when they went to these queens and said, Hey. You already won we want you to come back i want to know like what their offer was for them to do mm-hmm. that because it definitely was not this it definitely That's was what not I this contract yeah, right? yeah. they're
2: not going to go up to like shake hula and be like you want 500 dollars per episode
1: yeah i feel but so it seems... i wonder like i really wonder if they offered to pay them more or if they just said there's going to be like prize money for everything like mini yeah. challenge prize money we're going to have like runway like whatever and also no one's getting eliminated and we'll pay for as much luggage as you want to bring. Or if yeah. they actually got paid more per episode, who knows?
2: And the right. final prize is higher, right? Isn't it like 150, 200,000? Yeah. I think
1: it's 200, I think it's 200, 200. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Jinx is going to have a really good time spending that money, I think.
2: Yeah, I think you're right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I want to, so as an aside, um, I feel like we could probably give everyone a break from this contract anyway. Um, What were your, what were your initial thoughts, like episode one, like of the Queens? Because I think it's interesting that a number of them you hadn't really seen before, at least on the show.
2: I hadn't seen any of them before. So yeah, it was very much first impression. I think I really underestimated Jinx. I don't know why. I think maybe she, in the kind of preview of the Queens, she was like, not able to, show her full personality or maybe yeah. you just kind of she's got a more complex personality I'm finding that you kind of get to unwrap as you learn more about her I was initially just blown away by Shea Coulee because I think she's just fucking gorgeous like uh-huh. perfect skin perfect teeth just like really really stunning um and the rest it was kind of a blur the rest I was like I feel like every time I'm
1: introduced to new queens I need I need some time to unpack what's going on has anyone kind of like have have you gotten this from the comments of your own video yet or has anyone kind of given you the lowdown on what their story arcs were on their original seasons
2: um no i haven't gotten the lowdown
1: (laughs) okay so i want to i want to share if i can share a little bit we'll cut it we'll cut it from the podcast if if we don't think it's like interesting so jinx it's interesting that you say you underestimated her a little bit because that was her entire storyline on season five she was the under she was the quote underdog that won the crown so uh-huh. she was on alaska season and you saw how okay. hard alaska like slayed all-stars too right? yeah so it was alaska um detox who was also on all-stars too and okay. roxy andrews who was also on all-stars too okay and so yeah. their nickname was Relaska Tox because they were like three That's best right. friends yes and then jinx was the other one and jinx ended up winning Uh, and then it was really fascinating because when they got down to the top four with Katya and All All Stars Two, Alaska said, You remember it didn't turn out so well when it was the three of us and a lovable weirdo in our last season, Uh because Jinx played it in one. So Jinx was the underdog. I think she's probably like 21 or 23 at that point in time. But when you go back and watch the season, I think she like won two episodes. She was in the bottom once and she was like high, like top three, top four, like six other episodes. Wow. So the, her, the design episode was the only one where she was like in the bottom. Uh-huh. She's an actress, comedian, and apparently a very good singer. So that was interesting. And then you've probably at this point seen Shea uh lip sync finale, I would assume on YouTube for her season. The, the Rose Petals. Okay, you'll have to watch this. I'll,
2: I'll have, have to watch that. that. Yeah. yeah,
1: watch it. Um, she was the heavy favorite going into uh, the finale for her season. And Trinity was in the top four as well. So Trinity and Shay were from the same season. And there was like kind of a surprise twist. She was the first ever season where they did the lip sync for the crown bullshit.
2: Oh, okay. Fascinating.
1: I just want to, I'm just wanting to talk about Drag Race now. We can take the rest of this (laughs) (laughs) offline. Okay. So should we talk about the confidentiality provision? Yes. Okay. So where is that? where do we even start? It's paragraph number 12. There it is. So non-disclosure obligation. I agree not to disclose in perpetuity to any third party, any information to which I have had or will have access concerning the, I think access to concerning the project, maybe a missing word, including (laughs) without limitation, the premise and title of the project. I feel like when I'm pointing out typos, um, it's, Probably just like sounds rude, but really it's just me being like, oh, they probably paid a really big law firm to write this. Absolutely. I'm not the only person that makes mistakes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And probably it went through multiple (laughs) levels of review
1: before it was finished if it was at a big firm. So, yeah. 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 I think, I mean, I think the main takeaway here is confidentiality provisions compared to even every other type of contract term are even more boring to read. So we won't do any more of that. it's essentially just saying like don't say anything ever for the rest of your life or mm-hmm. we will sue you specifically for 2 million dollars.
2: <laughs> specifically.
1: That's right. This, specifically. So do you want to talk a little bit about like what like what liquidated damages means in contract terminology?
2: Um okay. So the liquid david, the liquidated damages provision basically lays out all of the remedies that they they being world of wonder producers whatever would have in the event of a breach of any part of the agreement um and sometimes it'll just say like actual damages but sometimes most of the time there's gonna be like a number yeah. um and here they have two million dollars. And sure. producers' attorney's fees.
1: Uh-huh. It's like $2 and, million. Why not? And,
2: and disgorgement <laughs> of any money received. So, like, if they did an exclusive interview or something, they'd have to pay that money anyway. Yeah, it's basically all of the, the ways that they're going to sue you if you were to breach any part of this agreement.
1: Have you ever seen or do you know of, like, the infamous Roscoe's viewing parties? No. Okay, so Roscoe's is a fabulous, fabulous day bar in Chicago, okay. um, and they do a viewing party every week, and they put it on YouTube. So there mm-hmm. are a lot of bars that do viewing parties. I think they're the only ones that put it on YouTube, but they always have, during a current season, they always have at least one or two queens from the current season and then, like, a past queen or two on. So oh, cool. Um, and then they always do a Q and A at the end, and inevitably people want to ask the nosiest questions. Mm-hmm. And they've had on some on some of the episodes, they've had queens like turn their like turn their mics off. <laughs> and I can only imagine that this like two million dollar number is like flashing in their mind as they hear these questions
2: right i do wonder though sometimes um the queens that are on the show are they reminded of these provisions at some point because i feel like when you're they're signing this agreement at the beginning when you're just agreeing to like yeah. audition for the show so i wonder if they're then sent kind of
1: reminders like remember don't tell anyone yeah.
2: otherwise we'll see you for two million dollars
1: i am positive that they do um that they have to do like an exit, like an exit meeting, exit interview, where they're like reminded of all the stuff that they can't do, like mm-hmm. after they like leave filming and go home, that that's a gotta be part of it, right? That and I sense. also know that like, and I have this in here to chat about somewhere, I don't remember, I think we skipped it, it doesn't matter. But for all like PR gigs, any type of publicity within that like window that they have, they have to get it approved, because mm-hmm. I actually ask someone to come on the podcast and then i had to type up like a little summary of the questions i wanted to ask for on a google doc and she told me that then she then submitted it to production or pr whomever for approval um am i expecting that to get approved probably not but we'll see right. so i know i know that they're probably like regularly reminded of that and they yeah. i would also assume that they just assume that they basically can't do anything without approval mm-hmm. within that time window mhm so you talked about in your video, unconscionability. So I thought we mm-hmm. would bring that up and discuss it. And mm-hmm. then um, I also want to talk about like the practicality of what it would actually look like if someone breaches this contract. So mm-hmm. I did, you know, for sake of academic purposes, Google the specific rules in California, and I can read those in a minute if we want to do that. But I'll have you just kind of generally explain what unconscionability even means.
2: Yeah. So. Where a contract has been signed and one party breaches that contract for whatever reason, then you'd think the other party is going to sue them in court and unconscionability then becomes a defense for the breaching party to use in court to say, yes, maybe I did breach the, these terms of this contract. However, the contract itself or that wording specifically is unconscionable for whatever reason. It could be because, um, and I talk about this in my video, that $2 million liquidated damages amount is incredibly high. There's no way that they could prove that they had damages even anywhere near that high from whatever breach I committed. Therefore, the $2 million is really like a punitive damages amount, which typically are frowned upon in contract issues because we're not trying to punish people that's what criminal law is for we're just trying to make one party whole again um so they could argue that the the term is unconscionable therefore it's not enforceable
1: therefore they shouldn't win this lawsuit so it's a defense to a lawsuit yeah and i like i was always taught you know back in my contracts class that it was like such a high bar to try to Mm -hmm. get a court to rule that a contract was unconscionable but i mean this contract certain elements of it would be a great example because the power dynamic is right so severe which is what i think you do a great job explaining like in your video so people mm-hmm. should go watch you go watch go watch the video go watch and That's watch right. bussy go watch bussy queen's video as well yeah there was okay. definitely
2: a, a portion i think the unconscionability part, at least in terms of the the power dynamic, I think it would be harder to argue against, say, like this liquidated damages, maybe, um, or other elements of it where you are entering into it as a brand new contestant saying like, I mean, I want to be on RuPaul's Drag Race because at that point, it feels like you you want it. You want to sign up for it. You don't have to do this. No one's forcing you to do this. Yeah. And you did it. But then some of the provisions where it's like once you sign up, if you want anyone to ever be your manager, like you have to ask us permission, those provisions that are kind of like post signing on to this control of things. I feel like might have a stronger argument as to the kind of power dynamics and actual ability for one party to negotiate against the other one.
1: Yeah. Agreed. I think it's like if you're going on a reality show, it's makes a ton of sense that you're gonna have like very little privacy while you're filming, mm-hmm. right? Also that everything needs to be like super hush hush until mm-hmm. at least until it gets on television and probably for a little while thereafter and that they can like make you or require you to do a certain amount of like live in-person promotional activity to promote the show Mm -hmm. it's like every like you mentioned everything after that where it's like okay like what are we what are we what are we doing here arguable (laughs) at least arguable okay so as a practical matter I think uh, Bussy noted this in his video. He said that you know, here's a few queens that have like spoken out. Arguably, that have probably breached confidentiality, but none of them have been sued. Technically, mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't know if we would know if they have been sued. Right. We probably would because lawsuits are generally public record. But we wouldn't know if they like had discussions and settlements or whatever in private and signed additional contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think essentially, someone mentioned, and it may have been you, that it's not a good look. it's like not a good look to go after the people who at the end of the day are the ones responsible for like the fandom that has been created right like you might have you'll have people like picketing outside of the uh like wow uh wow building viacom whatever if uh-huh. you like go after jinx or whomever so as right. a practical matter i don't see them you know suing anyone or going after anyone unless it's like pretty obvious and there's like a lot of money at stake is what i would imagine
2: right yeah and i did a video where (laughs) i did a video where i attempted trixie's makeup while talking about (laughs) drag race lawsuits so i did some digging to see like how how often has world of wonders sued queens and i couldn't find anything i really i found a lot of like former drag race queens than having issues with their new production company or like other people breaching World of Wonders copyrights that aren't queens. Um, But I will say, I think you're right. I think we wouldn't necessarily know if there was an issue. I could see a lot of maybe cease and desist letters being sent. I feel like when I was in the IP world, that's all I did was send (laughs) cease and desist letters. So it's a very powerful tool to scare Mm -hmm. someone into stopping doing something. And that's not public. So I could see that being kind of a tool that they have in their toolbox
1: yeah and also to let everyone know that's listening like the point of this episode is like not to shit on like wow or viacom or anybody else like the the thing is is when you're they're obviously spending a lot of money to produce these shows right and we're all Mm -hmm. getting the beneficial enjoyment of that when they hire attorneys to draft these contracts uh, generally attorneys are going to throw everything at the wall, right? Yeah, Like totally. they're going to, they're going to try to cover any and all bases that they can. That's just kind of their job. And in a normal, like large business to business contract, a lot of that would be negotiated. Mm-hmm. I think we can assume that neg- negotiations not happening. So a lot of the yeah. more wacky clauses are just staying in the contract, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's, there's probably not like any ill intent on, you know, the, right. you, know, like, you know, the, the main power holding party to this contract, so to speak. It just is, you know, it is what it is, kind of.
2: Yeah, it is what it is. And I think it's probably pretty standard operating procedure. It's like a, what does that call a contract of not attrition? Is it attrition? Adhesion, an adhesion contract. It's like, Uh take it or leave it. Here yeah. it is. Where no one's forcing you, but like that's a very common practice. If you're signing on for a credit card or to take a cruise or whatever, like you have to just you sign the contract of adhesion or you don't, and then you just don't do the thing. Yeah.
1: And that's liability waiver at your gym whenever yes. you open your new MacBook and you have to like you have to like click the checkbox before you can even like log on to the computer. Yeah. Right.
2: You no know, one's negotiating that. No one's writing a letter to Apple being like, I take issue with these parts of that contract yeah. and I need to change that.
1: I had my contracts professor like, did scholarly writing on those types of contracts and wanted to get like real into it during our lectures. And all of us were like, no thanks. We're cool. <laughs> <laughs> we are cool. Yeah. All right, Lija. Um, as we start to wrap up here, let all of the lovely people know where they can follow you. If they want to be like your best friend now, how they should do that. Mm-hmm.
2: So my main YouTube channel is just my name, Legia Miller. That's spelled L-E-E-J-A. Um, my drag race channel is um a separate channel that now I'm all of a sudden blanking on the name of my own channel. So it's it's called, sorry, it's called the Real Life Network because I, I tell everyone I'm a real life lawyer on a mission to demystify the law, blah, 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 blah. So I have real life network is the name of my second YouTube channel where I have my drag race podcast called Drag Me with Legia Miller. Um and that Real Life Network channel is going to be kind of a catch-all for any future projects I have. So if you nice. want to know other future things I do, go there. I'm on TikTok at the Lawyer, And then if you really want to be my best friend, Instagram is the best place to find me at Miller because that's where I just post the more unfiltered side of my yeah. life. So that's, those are responses.
1: so that's That's where I uh, send you unsolicited voice memos after <laughs> you to come on the show. That's um, right yes i have dasha wanted to say hello before hi we wrap
2: up. oh hello perfect from dasha.
1: um well Legit, thanks so much for coming on this show i really wanted to have you come on and talk about the contract because a i don't know who else would want to do that other than another attorney and b right. like you already did it and everyone loved it and i was like this sounds like a great idea so thank you so yeah, much for I coming on
0: yeah thank you so much for having me Hi everyone, it's me, and Sock from the cast of season 12, RuPaul's Drag Race. Do you need help doing your taxes? Of course you do. You're stupid, but you're pretty. You might be a drag queen and you can do dips and splits and all that other stuff. You can grab a dollar, two dollars, but are you paying Uncle Sam? If you don't know how, you need help and that's why you need business of drag. That's right, you need business of drag. Taxes are a drag. Tune in for help from a pro. All right, all you drag performers out there, taxes are stressful. We all know tax season. Taxes are stressful, stress causes wrinkles, and filler is not deductible. Hire us for help. You need it. You really, really do. Hey, everyone. Oh, there goes my titty. That is not deductible, okay. Hey everybody, it's me, Welcome Talking for the Cast of Season. Ooh, sorry. Hey everybody, it's me, Welcome back for the Cast Season 12 of RuPaul's Drag Race, and I'm here to tell you that if you're stupid and pretty just like me, you might need help on your taxes. Because taxes are a drag, but you need to tune in for help. Oh motherfucker, I goddamn it, I got this wrong. Okay, one more time, sorry. <laughs> Hi everyone, it's me, Welcome back for the Cast of Season 12 of RuPaul's Drag Race. You guys, if you're like me, You're beautiful, absolutely gorgeous, stunning. People run down the street just to get a look at you. But you're also insanely stupid and not good at doing things like math or handling your money. That's why business of drag is here. Taxes are a drag. Tune in for help from a pro. Might I add, taxes are stressful, stress causes wrinkles, and filler is not deductible. No, no deductee. Hire us for help. You need it. Business of drag, pay your taxes, pay your taxes, pay your taxes or Uncle Sam will do, do a split on your throat, metaphorically speaking, do your taxes.